Okay. That was a weak ass clap. Friday in the garage. I'm Corinco. I'm Freddie Waff. It is Kickstart for the last, well, the last Kickstart for March of 2020. Yeah, man. March 30th. March 30th. Right. Because today, because today is the 27th, right? Yes. A couple birthdays. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, happy birthday, dude. He's like uh, what, Alan, 56. Alan Arkin, 56. Yeah. Alan Arkin is 86. Oh, Arkin rules. Yeah, man. Um, those are the only two I can think of. Sorry. I'm sure there's others, but I don't know them right off the top of my head. Uh, yeah. New music came out today, too, if you care. There's a bunch of, uh, like, uh, Nine Inch Nails put out uh, two more in their Ghost series, uh, Ghost 4 and Ghost 5. If you're into any of their stuff that he and uh, that uh, Trent and Atticus have done, away from scoring, but, you know, without lyrics and just straight up uh, instrumentals. This is a ongoing series. It's been going on like 15 years, I think. Some really, a real long stretch of time. But they just came out today and they're free because that's what they do with those ghost releases. They don't charge for them. And a new Pearl Jam album. And those of you that care, it's pretty good so far what I've heard as opposed to previous albums with the exception of the last one. But anyway, we're not here to talk about music necessarily. We're here to talk about what we've done this last week and what we got coming up this week. I saw Birds of Prey like three times and I, I bought it digital. Usually it's not my move unless, unless I realize at the 11th hour we're going to cover a movie the next day. I'm like, you know what? I don't have that movie. Shit. I better buy it. And then I end up buying it. But I bought Birds of Prey for 20 bucks. It's not supposed to be out until like April. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Is this something I really care about having a disc for? I'm like, nah. So I bought it. And like I said, I enjoyed it enough. To where I was all ready to go see it. In a theater, but then, you know, I've been told to stay home. <laughs> right. Which is why I got, which is why I got released so early because it was doing really well in the theater. It wasn't like Warner Brothers wanted to pull it. I think they just, they're trying to maintain their momentum because it was doing really well. Yeah. Same yeah. with Invisible Man, right? right. I mean, oh yeah. Invisible, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. I saw both of them in a theater in Texas. So I know they've been out for a while. Yeah. But I, I really like Birds of Prey a lot. I mean, Margot Robbie, she just, and the cast is really fun. I don't, I had a hard time adjusting to Rosie Perez, but by the second, halfway through the second viewing, I kind of got used to it because she hasn't done anything for so long. At least nothing I no. was aware of. Uh, you know what? I mean, I mean, I'm, I see Rosie Perez every time I watch a fight on Showtime uh, because <laughs> right. she, no, totally. Like yeah. she, because now she's like a boxing announcer or a, you know, I don't know if she's officially with the, with the show box stuff or if they just loop her in. I don't know that she's like, you know, She's not like with uh, Bob Papa or whoever's doing it now, but I mean, she they do talk to her a lot during fights, and you right. know, you always see, hey, it's Rosie Press. She's a big fight fan. Rosie is, which is awesome. Yeah, she's and she was fun in the movie. Like I said, it took me a while to kind of adjust to it. It wasn't, and it wasn't like I had a problem with her performance. She was fine in the movie. It was weird just seeing her. Not like for you, like you're saying, I've you know we cover boxing quite a bit at at, at Fox. At least we did until about three weeks ago. <laughs> 
Right. And uh, so, you know, I've seen her plenty of times uh, in, uh, you know, ringside or or, or actually on camera as well. But it was cool is, is the cast in general. It's like, yeah, you're looking, I got, oh, they have got a bunch of girls and it's not like that. I just think it works. It's sure the hell a lot better than Suicide Squad. And Suicide Squad, for the most part, was okay until it got to the third act became the Ghostbusters ending. I'm like, I mean, you couldn't, I mean, as so much to the point where the effects look like they came from 1984. It didn't look good at all, but you I know, fell asleep and that's fair. Um, I mean, I was tired. So let's, let's be fair. <laughs> I fell asleep during the invisible man too. It wasn't like you weren't working a whole lot. Yeah, man. It's, you know, working seven days a week for 60 days and then, you know, put yourself in a dark room. <laughs> Chances are you're going to fall asleep. Yeah, you pay $12 to take a nap. That's okay. You need your rest. Hey, man, comfy <laughs> chairs. <laughs> you know, that's the worst thing in the world. I honestly, it's the greatest thing and the worst thing all at the same time is the reclining chairs. Put your oh, feet up. Yes, they man. bring you a drink. Halfway through the drink, I'm out. <laughs> right. You know, I, Aaron had to elbow me. It's like, hey, man, you're missing the movie. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. Something happened yet? Dude, I've been I've been doing nothing but streaming, uh, you know, my childhood mostly. I mean, last night I got into uh, some Criterion stuff, pick up on South Street, Diabolique, and uh, Night in the City. Oh yeah, the Jules Dass and the original, not the not the De Niro remake. I won't even bother with that. Never have, never, never will. I've not seen it either. I don't. I, Night in the City is one of my favorite movies, so I would never. I just can't watch the remake. It's kind of like the Cape Fear remake. I love Cape Fear. Yeah. And I've seen the Scorsese one and I don't love it. Uh, I know why people do because they saw it first, possibly. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, But yeah, for me, I mean, so after seeing the Cape Fear remake, when they remade Night in the City, I just pass. And it's cool. I mean, you know, I've heard it's not bad, but I know that it's not going to it's it's not going to do it for me. So I just not going to see it. My cinematic vocabulary was, you know, was initiated by my dad through everything that we watched when he come home from work at Lockheed, where we'd either watch an Abbott and Costello stuff or Three Stooges. And then, you know, we'd watch old, old stuff. And, you know, I must have seen Cape Fear three or four times before I even knew Scorsese was making another one or remaking it. Like you said, I, I'm kind of the same way. I, I don't want to say I don't I don't love it. I don't necessarily I don't hate it. They kind of did their own thing, but at the same time, it's like when you didn't, did you have to though? Did you have to make this movie? Yeah, I mean, it. Yes, correct. I'm you're I'm, you're right. You you just nailed it. Did they need to remake it? And my thing is, it looks. I mean, at some point, it turns into like he turns into fucking Jason Voorhees, and I just can't like just when he's riding underneath the fucking car holding on to. I mean, just like fuck off. Yeah. It just went too. It just went too far for me. But you know, you it's a well made picture in the scene at, in the theater with with Juliette Lewis and, and and De Niro when he's playing the guys that he's the you know he's their drama teacher. So the whole thumb thing is just right. It's so unsettling, but it's supposed to be. But part of me is like going again with as with the whole movie. Why? <laughs> kind of me. Part of me is kind of like, okay, that was the highlight of the movie, and right, right, what do we do it, now? Right? Did you make? I feel like did you remake the movie just so you could be a provocateur and make that and put that scene in there? I mean, I don't get it. Yeah. 
Because the, cause the original is effective, and I promise you, no one's sucking anybody's thumb in that. <laughs> yeah, and Richard and, and Robert Mitchum never bit anybody in the face. So, nope. hey, there you go. And he was yeah. way scarier than uh, De Niro. And Robert Mitchum would have eaten the skin instead of spitting it out. Robert Mitchum would have eaten Robert De Niro <laughs> for lunch. I had Mitchum on the brain um, from something that happened earlier in the week, and Mario happened to post something about about Mitchum, and and it prompted me to turn to Night of the Hunter because Night of the I think he actually posted about Night of the Hunter. I'm like, dude, that's like my all time favorite Mitchum movie. Period. And I was I had to go right to the rack and pull it off the wall and stick it in. It's so oh my god, Night of the Hunter, dude. So yeah, man. So amazing to the our audience that is mostly younger than than us if you haven't seen this movie seek it out it may be on the criterion channel so if you're not already paying for it and or you haven't used the trial just do the trial for a week and just go through their whole streaming catalog and if night of the hunter is on the streaming platform for criterion do it it's going there's an image and the whole movie is beautifully shot this is charles lawton the actor charles lawton this is one and only movie he directed there is imagery in there that is just, you're going to be like, I saw that in a movie. I saw that in a movie. I saw that in a movie because this movie is well known by people that pay attention to that. are just film students in general, not actual film students, like film school students, but like people that just study movies and they kind of like bite off of all this stuff. There's, but there's an image. And I think, you know what I'm talking about at the end. Oh yeah. That, Oh my gosh. Every time I see it, it just sends, and I, I get chills thinking about it right now and I get it as they're approaching the scene, night of the hunter. Um, and that's probably in mention kicks ass anyway, but that's easily my favorite movie and performance from him. He's just amazing. Yeah, man. I'm a giant Mitchum fan, as you know, I mean, um, you know, Cape fear night of the hunter out of the past friends of Eddie Coyle. You know, I like Mitchum in all of his, you know, from young 1940s, Robert Mitchum up into the 1970s, grizzled, world-weary, lizard-skinned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got eyes like a lizard. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, I dig Mitchum. The Yakuza. Yes. Uh, there's not there's not a whole lot of Mitchum I don't like. But yeah, Night of the Hunter is real strong. It's the imagery, man. I saw it when I was a yeah. kid. I think my grandma, may, maybe I watched it with my grandma or it was on. But I remember it scared the shit out of me because I yeah. was about the age of the kids in the movie. Right. <laughs> which is always a weird thing to show kids. But man, I'll never forget Shelly uh, Winter's hair, man, in that shot with the yep. car. And, yep. That's the yeah, shot, man. Ah. Yeah. Dude. And then... Other than a creature from the Black Lagoon movie, how often do you ever see people underwater like that? You just, yeah, totally. At that time, you just didn't Never. see that. And you, because of our age, anybody right now that's going to watch it on Criterion disc or the if they do have it on streaming, you're going to see it wide. You're going to see it like you're supposed to. You and I saw it four or three. So when yep. you get to that shot, when I finally saw it on Laserdisc, I'm like, oh my gosh, is that what it's supposed to look like? I was right. already like floored with it as it is because they, if I remember right, the pan scan, the four three version of it, just they stayed super tight on yep. Shelly's face, and you really they can't do. see anything. And but when you see it wide, it's like wow, yeah, dude. Charles Lawton had, I mean, it was almost like one and done because I can't recall how quickly he, how soon after that he died. He didn't, he didn't, you know, he wasn't with us too much longer after that. Yeah, yeah. I had the hunter dude. Yeah, I, I, I there was something that you posted. I can't remember what it was. I don't mean. Oh, maybe it was just something I saw in Letterboxd. But was it um, Money Train? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, okay. So 
I'm not, I don't really go out of my way to, to, to shit on stuff when we're talking about stuff when we get the mics on. I do plenty of disgruntled crybabying about movies that I've had to watch. Um, I usually don't do it. The Into the Dark series that Blumhouse does with Hulu, it's it's been out for a little over a year now. I think they're like ep, up to like episodes. Oh, it's like, been on for this is yeah second se- season, right? Second, second season, yeah. I think so. Yeah. This is the this is the second March episode that they've uh, put out there. It's called I want to say it's called Crawlers. Yeah. Uh, yes, it is because it, it keeps coming up on my. Uh, yeah, and I realized what it was. I'm like, oh, okay, Hulu keeps pushing it on me. I'm like, all right, I'll watch it. Okay, I have no other way of saying this. It's a fucking piece of shit. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say not many of them are very good. I, I haven't seen, I, I keep, so I shouldn't look at it, right? I'm going to not like it. It's like a cross between Night of the Creeps, which is, you know, schlocky fun. and But it's all, but see, the thing about Night of the Creeps is it's all done ton in cheek, so you have to take it that way. And Invasion of the Body Snatchers, it's like a combination of those. You could see how the two, two, two things can work together. But even Melody got to like 20 minutes in and goes, she goes, does something happen in this movie? Because <laughs> it was nothing. It's easily, as I, I, I put it in my letterbox review, it's easily the worst movie in the series. So, so some other things that I've been doing in my, <laughs> as I'm not leaving the house, uh, you know, I've been digging through 90s. I found all these CDs in my garage, which I'm uh, revisiting things that I wasn't, uh, I was like, oh, I don't like that. And I'm like, oh, wait, maybe I do like it. Like the Wallflowers. Oh, yeah. I remember, not... I remember having that CD and like, yeah, whatever. The first but album? Yeah. It's yeah. actually good. <laughs> yeah. What, what brought my attention to it was the fact that Adam Duritz ended up singing on Sixth Avenue, uh, Fifth Avenue, Fifth Avenue, Sixth Avenue Heartbreak? Sixth, Sixth Avenue. Sixth Avenue Heartbreak. And that's what brought it to my attention because I was big in the Counting Crows at that time. And so I'm like, wait, oh, that's, oh, it's Bob Dylan's kid? Oh, okay. All right. Turns out, I actually like Jacob Dylan's music more than I like Bob Dylan. So go figure. I want to say me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, um, uh, when headlight was the other big single off that record, which right. actually was probably a bigger single than Avenue. Oh yeah, it was like a that was a big song. Yeah. Because that was a song. I'm pretty sure. Like at that time, I was working for this company. So we we did a lot of business with A and M. So I got a lot of. I mean, a lot of. I have a lot of like you know. CDs and stuff that were just promo stuff from like Warner Brothers, WEA, all that stuff. And I think that's how I got that Wallflowers CD. I don't remember buying it, but maybe I did. Or, But I tend to think most of that stuff, all that early 90s stuff, I kind of, you know, was given by, you know, hey, take some CDs with you. Here's a stack. Right. <laughs> okay, thank you. So I remember uh, you know, another thing I remember about that album was the great T-Bone Burnett produced that one. Yep. And it, you could, and it's no surprise that Duritz ended up on their record since T-Bone did their debut album, the Crow's debut album. No, dude, yeah, man, that album is so good. By the way, he's he turned 72 in January, T-Bone. Wow. Yeah. What, what brought him back around recently, maybe in the last seven or eight years? What was well, it? Well, I know that, oh, brother, where art thou? Kind of brought him back, but that was like 20 years ago. Yeah, there was something else that came out. Was it the Hunger Games? <laughs> no. Crazy Heart. See, I'm looking pretty the Jeff pretty Bridges pretty. movie, Crazy Heart, maybe? He, he was the composer for Crazy Heart. I think he might have written some of those songs uh, uh, as oh, well. Yeah, he definitely, yeah, he definitely did. I don't remember that movie very well because I didn't really, I don't know that I really liked it. 
Yeah, he he wrote almost every song on the movie, on the soundtrack. It was no tender mercies. No. <laughs> it, it was I, okay, but I it mean, was I, all right. Yeah, it was. It was. I had a hard time kind of digesting him as a singer. You know. I mean, uh, it wasn't even that. I just kind of didn't. I don't know. It nothing. I it felt like nothing new happened in it. I felt like I'd already seen it. Um, so hey, there you have it. <laughs> the Dewey Clock story. Right. Walk How hard. Can, right. How can I take a movie like that seriously after that? You know, that's True. another thing too. Is like that might be what it is. It might be. Yeah. Yes. It, it very well you. could be. Yeah. <laughs> that is the right. I couldn't, I, and it's like we were we were talking about that. Like, I, look, I love the Evil Dead remake. I love it, love it, love it, love it. But in a lot of ways, like leading up to it, I kept saying to myself, "Well, Cabin in the Woods kind of like breaks the whole mold for horror movies, and especially the whole <laughs> Cabin isolation." In the Woods. Yes, absolutely. Right. So I'm like, once you kind of turn that inside out, does it really work as much? It does. It does work. I love the Evil Dead remake. But it's 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 kind of like with Dewey Cox. I can't look at a biopic anymore, and I think of that movie, and it's so perfect because yes, it may be it may be a, a biopic about a fictional character, but it still plays it straight. And that's the thing about the movie is like, gee, once you have a comedy movie like this that plays it straight, you can't take the real ones seriously. You just can't. Or if you do, they're just they're just like this. <laughs> I found myself watching Crazy Heart going, this isn't very funny. Right. It needs to be funnier. <laughs> it needs to be funnier. I need some penis in the shot. <laughs> yeah. I need, I, we're, yeah. I, I was hoping that it was going to be like, he was going to be basically playing Lebowski. Um, right. He's going to be playing the dude as a country singer, but it didn't happen. So it's no. cool. Uh, maybe they'll, maybe somebody will make that because, you know, we don't we all need it? Those commercials are funny where the dude shows up. Right. Like we're saying, though, it, it, all it does is make me want, like right now, I want to watch the Dewey Cox story right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, it, I'm not. A, yeah, I, I've had my fill of real biopics. So like fake biopics, you know, like right. Dewey Cox is kind of the only one I need. It's the same reason I don't like um, the Ring of Fire or Ray oh, yeah. or the Walk the Line. Yeah, walk the Line, whatever it's called, man. I, see, I don't even know. <laughs> the Ring of Fire is a sequel. <laughs> Rain of Fire. I, I wish it was Rain of Fire, like the dragons ate Johnny Cash. That would be exciting. I, <laughs> new spin, yeah. A new spin on a biopic. Right. Um, I was going to say the other thing, I think I randomly texted you the other night, Romancing the Stone kicks ass. It's yes. Because, it's because yes. I watched Romancing the Stone, Jewel of the Nile, yeah. back to back. And I want to say something weird. I think I like Jewel of the Nile more. It's funny you say that because I remember at the time when I saw the movie in the theater, I didn't feel that way, but then I saw it again later, maybe when it had VHS, maybe it was laser. I don't remember, but I, I don't know if I say it's better than, but I remember saying I liked it more when I saw it a second time. Right. If I had to pick one to watch, having seen them both back to back, I would pick Jewel of the Nile, which was also shot by Jan de Bont. Right. That's back when he was still shooting before someone right. was dumb enough to give him uh, the director's chair. Right. It was, it was before Die Hard and it was before Speed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is going back, that was like 85. But, yeah, um, yeah Romancing the Stone is funny. And they're both really good. But Jewel of the Nile, man, it's, I don't know why in my mind, the only thing I could ever remember from it was that there was a Billy Ocean song at the end. <laughs> right, and the music right. video right. had Kathleen Turner, Michael Douglas, and Danny DeVito as backup singers. Right. And I, and I remember it was banned in the UK 
because they weren't members of the musicians union. So they wouldn't oh show the gosh. video in, in the UK. And that's kind of my only memories was that video, <laughs> that piece of knowledge that I got from Casey Kasem, I think. And uh, I didn't realize the, it was a bigger hit money-wise than Romancing the Stone. I just thought it was a flop. That had um, a, I thought I would have said it, it was, it did uh, more or less dollars. I would have thought that too. Yeah, no, that, I mean, I, I looked it up because I was like, oh, that's, I just wanted to see, you know, I was curious if maybe I had been wrong and slept on that movie all these years. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so you know, they're both fun, real fun to watch, uh, especially if you watch them back to back. If you're, right. you know, on lockdown, it's great. I would probably pick Jewel the Nile for no other reason than I've just seen Romance in the Stone so many times that I'd have to use it to catch up. Correct. Yeah. That could that could be part of it, but I, I want to say I hadn't seen Romance in the Stone in a long time, but seeing them back to back, they're both good. I'm not knocking on either one, but I got to right. say, man, I really enjoyed the Jewel of the Nile a lot more than I thought that I would or remembered, you know, I think I was also 15 and maybe it was a little, I don't know. I dude, it had everything I would want it to have. I don't know why I, uh, I, I hadn't seen it since it came out in 1985 right. until two nights ago. And it's been probably just as long for me other than that initial home video. Recently. I'm almost positive. I saw it a second time because I, I remember liking it more. So I had to have seen it at least a second time, but yeah, I've been finding myself trying not to do that where I'm like turning to things that I have, I've already seen before because there's a lot of free time, <laughs> a lot of free time. I'm, it's been difficult not to watch the same things again. Now, granted this, that third viewing of birds of prey, I actually had, a, I was writing, I had my laptop in my lap and I was actually writing something with it in the background because the soundtrack is really fun. I know that the soundtrack is, a lot of female hip hop and it's kind of like not your flavor, but it's, I, I liked, I've had, I've been listening to the soundtrack for months. So when I finally saw the movies, that's funny, I try man. not to do that though. I'm trying not to, to watch the same things. And, and, um, but when I, when I was seeing your posts about like Jewel of the Nile, like Romancing the Stone, um, there's something else you had posted too on, on Letterboxd and I'm like, oh yeah. And it was just reminding me, I need to stand in front of my, my DVD racks a little bit longer next time I'm pulling stuff and because I mean we have a chance to kind of uh, go over stuff that this is this is what I was saying the other day I'm like I, I we, we've been given an opportunity kind of step back and and kind of you know we reevaluate the things that we do in our life and reconnect with people even if it's just online you know through FaceTiming or Skyping or whatever but it's also a, an opportunity to see things that we've never seen before, seen things that we haven't seen in a long time. The fact that I have movies in my rack that I haven't touched. And I mentioned that before, still sealed. And I'm like, that I haven't even, I haven't like watched in 30 years. And we got a bottom based on that nostalgia saying, I love this movie when I was 14. Should I need to watch it again? And that's what our show was supposed to be. Right. <laughs> it was always supposed to be, is it better remembered or remembered better than you did from when we saw it in our youth. And, uh, we found ourselves picking movies that are harder to find <laughs> for some people. And plus, you know, we, we, we dive into new stuff all the time. So it wasn't like, you know, we were going to live directly off, you know, our childhood and nostalgia to connect it to it. But yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're Jewel of the Nile and Romancing the Stone 
was just a reminder that like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> Probably need to, I need to be a little more uh, affluent when I'm looking at that kind of stuff. And same thing with Joey, dude. I'm introducing Joey stuff as well, you know? We should just start fucking doing stuff from stars. Right? <laughs> I'm telling you, man, that's where Jewel and I was. That's where, um, fuck, that's where all those movies I've been posting on Letterboxd, they're all on stars. Yeah. I watched The Heavenly Kid last night after my noir. Good Heavenly Lord, kid. dude. Yeah, Richard Mulligan. It was, right. And now correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't the love interest in it the mom from Malcolm in the Middle? Yes, Jane Kesmerick. Yes. <laughs> and and the guy, the heavenly kid, is fucking perfect Tommy from fucking Buckaroo Banzai. Oh my gosh, that's right. And Jason Gedrick is the nerdy it, kid. Is the nerdy kid, yeah. <laughs> there can only be one. There can be only one. That's true. Oh, hold on. <laughs> That's my alarm. Good Lord, dude. I thought someone was killing your dog. I was like, what's wrong with Oswald? No, that's that's uh, Walter the, the Frenchie. That's my alarm when my alarm goes off. Not my alarm in the morning. That's my alarm for when I set a timer. Have we reached our 30 minutes? <laughs> that, was our third, that was our 30 minutes. I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of it. We covered just about everything. Just a bunch of rambling. So if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow Corey on Twitter at Corey Cope or the official at Karate Pod or on Letterboxd at GeekENG underscore Corey. If you want to follow Freddie, you can follow me at Raven Shattuck on Twitter or Rollo 33 on your Instagram. Or Tom Cody on Letterboxd. Oh yeah, that too. Tom Cody <laughs> on Letterboxd. <laughs> I- For the people! <laughs> Goodbye to the people! Tom Cody. <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right, bud. Bye.